0: everyone. That was OK. And I'm here with Marty Anderson from the band OK, formerly of Dilute, and he's from Fremont, NorCal, and he's here to talk about the band a bit. Hi, Marty. Hi there. All right. And I just have a few questions for you. So what kind of a lot of people like to bring up your influences? I've read a couple of articles about, you know, Sparkle Horse and whatnot. I like to think Sparkle Horse. <laughs> I like Sparkle uh, I've Horse. I've never said that in my life. I know you haven't said it, but, you know, people will say whatever they want, so they've yeah. said it. I've actually said right. it in an article myself because I am uh, pretentious like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, what you... it's fine.
1: I, I, I own a Sparkle Horse album.
0: <laughs> so what do you think? What are influences that have influenced OK? Because OK and Dilute are two pretty different bands, I've noticed. They're, they're... Dilute is really instrumental and really technical almost, and while OK is really straightforward kind of melodic music, uh, what what influenced you between the bands and during while you were with Dilute and while you're doing your thing with OK?
1: Well, um, yeah, they are very different, but uh, I kind of feel like they, they're working off the same principles, mm-hmm. kind of. But, I mean, early in uh, Dilute, we were still in high school, and we were listening to... I mean, besides just the normal, uh, it started off with, like, the normal, uh, you know, Kurt Cobain, Pearl <laughs> Jam, whatever was on the radio awesome. at that time, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. And then we were in a band, of course, so we could relate and we listened to that stuff, but then we discovered college radio. Yeah. And that kind of blew our world out of the water.
0: What was it? What, so were, we, like, what were, like, the, were there any specific bands that you heard? Yeah, like- yeah.
1: Uh, I remember the first time I heard Dirty Three, their first mm-hmm. album, mm-hmm. that blew me away. And then we went and saw them and that blew me away. And oh, then cool. um, we really, really got into though. I remember that was a huge shift because they,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the way they use um, different time signatures and the way they were so tight and, but just kind of sloppy at the same time. Yeah. And uh, so we went and saw them and, that, you know, it was like whatever band we would get into, we'd kind of like, we'd figure them out uh, musically mm-hmm. and then we'd go and see them. And then we'd try to basically like top them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think we were pretty successful at most of that.
0: Yeah, But yeah. Uh,
1: those are like two, and then like June of 44 and just like the, the indie bands that were around at that time.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, oh, and uh, a great, great San Francisco band called a minor forest. I don't know if many people listen to them anymore, but mm-hmm. um, they were just, huge i mean we just listen to that. They, they put out that one record and we just like we listened to that to death really yeah
0: that's cool i've never i've never heard of them what do they what do they sound like
1: uh they it's hard to explain i mean it's kind of like uh like what do they call that like minimalist uh post whatever like you know like the you know that kind of the simple like the entire rock. An,
0: like the entire ambient thing or
1: no 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 it no. was it, it was kind of like slower just kind of very um they had a huge dynamics that was mm-hmm. what got us is like they'd go from the slow building kind of like eerie
2: mm. okay. down and
1: then they just crash into like the most aggressive screaming or something and then they drop back down to just quiet
2: yeah and awesome. i think that
1: kind of it just set a threshold Uh Or dilute you know like oh you can get that aggressive and then cut it back to
2: Uh you
1: know it just kind of made it okay for us to uh to push it farther and and that was one thing we dilute just like relished in doing is just like you know kick it to one dynamic as far as you can and then back to another one you know to kind of mess with your senses
0: Mm -hmm. well you said that the two bands kind of flow into each other um what are the differences that you hear between the two like what were the differences between songwriting for like getting together with Dilute and making songs that way and how you make songs for OK now and, Well that
1: in that sense they're just totally ultimately different because yeah. like I mean I consider my days with Dilute kind of like the golden age of my my career <laughs> as far as like as a musician because we played three times a week every week uh-huh. for for years you wow. know for and and so it was like I took it so much for granted at the time i just i mean I started doing it in tenth grade and just kind of thought that's the way life was. You just mm-hmm. played in the band and did it three times a week and but now it's like I can't you know it's but anyway so so dilute you know that was um and it was collective too, it wasn't just me writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I, the way it worked with daily was I would write, you know, the main structure of the uh-huh. song, Yeah. And then I'd take it to them and, they you would know, by the, they would, it wasn't even adding on. Uh-huh. It was really like a, a deconstruction.
0: Oh, okay. I, 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 I gave,
1: I, I loved, you know, those guys with, you know, like everything. And I just let them take whatever license they wanted. And I never took offense, especially Craig, the bassist. Mm-hmm. like His role, pretty much in the band, was to destroy what I built up.
0: (laughs) That's cool.
1: (laughs) And it always seemed to work out, and everybody seemed to feel like they had a part that was always really important Uh to me, at least because I didn't want to be like the front man who wrote everything, and everyone else was backing me up.
0: So do so do you feel like you have more of that role now with Okay? Like I I
1: can't help but have that role yeah. now because I do I do all the writing and I do I do all the recording myself.
2: Yeah,
1: it's just because I I mean I would love to have a band like an OK band. Mm-hmm. But there is no OK band. Yeah. It's just like I call up my musician friends that happen to be not on tour
2: mm-hmm. and
1: happen to be in town at the time of a gig,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I'll say, "Can you come sit in on this show? We're going to do a couple practices before it."
0: So do you think and this? So sorry. <laughs> no, no,
1: and and that's basically what OK shows are. Is I mean, with the exception of a few shows where I got like ten or eleven people together, get yeah. a little bit more practicing then. But I mean, it's totally different. It's the songs are made to be simple,
2: uh-huh. yeah. Um,
1: not not only for just you know the aesthetic and what I'm, what I'm going for artistically, but just um for the like the practicality of it because mm-hmm. I can't get together because like, of my health and because of everybody not being able to put in that much time
0: anymore Oh, okay so do you think the entire you know being a a singular songwriter is is more of a thing you're you're just doing now (laughs) and you'd be more into having a a complete band or do you think that's something that you want to do for an extended time you know and that you're kind of you know feeling your your way through that and that you want to you want to stay with that or would you rather just have a band together uh i would
1: i would kill to have a band together mm-hmm. to tell you the truth but i mean i i look back on on that experience and those experiences is just like the you know the high points of my life mm-hmm. but i'm you know doing this singular song singer songwriter thing just out of necessity i mean it's 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 nice to have total control and it's nice to do everything at my own pace and it's kind of necessary with with you know my lifestyle and everything mm-hmm. but um if I could, if I had people willing to dedicate their time to, you know, a band. But the thing is, like three times I've taken okay to the point where we could really like go to Japan and go to Europe, and uh-huh. you know, and we're playing like with Stereo Lab, and yeah. and it gets you know it starts to get big, and then I and then I have to cut it off because it's like a band that can't tour. Yeah. So how much you know that's basically the downfall is you know people put in time. You know, the more time they put in, they, the more they want to like make it successful,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's really not gonna be a touring band or that type of thing. Uh-huh. And so, uh, pretty much the what has happened is people have joined and then kind of migrated onto another. Uh, you know, like if we take a break, they kind of start another project that ends up touring all over the place, and yeah. that takes precedent because that's what they want to do.
0: Yeah. Well, I heard that you're coming down uh, to LA with with Deerhoof. Uh, what is it in uh, in August or is it later? Uh, October. October.
1: Early, so, early October. But yeah, that's about the extent of what I've ever done, uh-huh. really. With at least since I've been um, like this, acutely, you know, having health problems. Yeah. I've gone up to the, I've gone up to um, Seattle and done a tour with Juju, and mm-hmm. then I and then we went down. L.A. with Sunset Rubdown once last year.
0: Yeah, when my our music director was talking about your show, he was he was blown away by it. He was uh, uh, he was talking about how it's completely different from the record. I wish it could have been there. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, our live performances are so different because I mean I do the whole record pretty much in my bedroom or in my living room. Yeah, and then live is like completely different. It's it's like a totally different feel and and you know I use live players. I let them kind of even write their own parts so there's parts there that aren't on the record and Oh wow. It's really really a different
0: experience. So so like when you guys have a do have a live show do you just get together and and talk about what you're going to do cuz like a lot of, we we have a lot of fans at KUCI. your record was was tops on our top 30 not that long ago and uh yeah our music director has told us about your live show and I'm sure a lot of people are curious what exactly do you do considering it's not like a regular thing and, you know, if there's a touring band, they just kind of go off the fly. Do you guys, like, kind of get together and just, like, talk about it? Or what do you guys do in preparation for an actual show?
1: We just kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I first I just kind of choose, you know, what songs I want to play, which are almost never the songs that are actually out on a new record that everyone wants to hear. You mm-hmm. know, I'm almost always playing, which, you know, my label is always, like, kind of. Or the, my manager is is constantly kind of uh, <laughs> nudging me or elbowing me about you know like you know you should be playing the r- songs off the records because people <laughs> are wanting to hear those songs but I'm like always two records ahead yeah with so, my live set
0: but, so do uh, you, do you have a lot of material just already like for a a new record by OK or? oh yeah
1: I have the next three records are written oh
0: my goodness I just
1: it's just because I don't have much energy right now and I just got out of the hospital
2: so
0: uh-huh. it's like.
1: It's really, I just can't. I mean, I keep trying to record, to be honest, and I just can't settle on it. It's like if I'm trying to record a song, but it's, say I don't have much energy, I just can't settle on a take mm-hmm. of a song where I'm not at my best.
0: Oh, all right. So I just kind of,
1: I'm just kind of waiting till I have
0: enough. Is that
1: good spot to do it right? You
0: know? Is is a uh, is that how it was between Huggable Dust and uh, High, High Low Road? Because was it was it that you came up with the material as you were writing as you were writing high high road low road or was the material later on with huggable dust
1: uh no all that stuff was written like simultaneously actually oh. the way the way those records were written opposed to the way I've written these two upcoming records or three mm-hmm. is um Uh, I had no method as far as like, that's why the records are kind of convoluted somewhat. They're not that like flowing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's basically, I would just be recording all the time. That Mm -hmm. was just my lifestyle. It was like whatever was going on in my life, there was a song going about that. Mm -hmm. And whether it was, you know, a girl I was into or a (laughs) sickness I was going through or whatever. And so I just kept compiling, you know, a big pool of songs. And then, um, you know, a lot of the songs from the Dust are really, really old, like from 1999. Wow. So some of them go from 99 to, it, I mean, the whole record's from 99 to 2007.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's pretty much just a compilation, like some songs I've had forever just sitting on my computer. But mm-hmm. then I I just, um, the, you know, the breakthrough I had to finally, like, organizing records was uh, just organizing them by themes. And that's mm. what I did with High Road, Lower. Yeah. It's not like I I said, okay, I'm going to write songs that are positive and put them over here. Yeah, I'm going to write songs that have a negative, you know, take and put them over here.
2: Uh-huh. It's
1: just that I'm always writing songs that have positive and negative takes. Yeah, depending on what mood I was in. Yeah,
0: this And, I was and then
2: I just
1: took them and separated them and put them on different discs. And then I just went through and I had and after that I just had all these love songs left over
2: because mm-hmm. oh, I never
1: really thought I would put those out because they were always kind of personal. And, I didn't really think they had much, uh, much like artistic weight to them. But then I thought, well, they're here,
2: mm-hmm. and all my
1: friends dig them, and you know, so I might as well put out a compilation record of all love songs
2: mm-hmm.
1: to kind of purge, you know, all the old work. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how that happened. But I, I've had a really kind of a a real shift with my songwriting after that, and these. These upcoming records are kind of like the records I've been waiting to record my whole life. That's another reason why it's taking me so long to kind of get it going on them.
0: Any hint to this, the sound? How is it going to differ from what you've already made?
1: Um, it'll be different. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I can't really, you know, I don't even know yet. That's going to be the fun for me is to see where it goes. But, I mean, I've always had in my head this, this kind of sound that I've never been able to accomplish,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I'm hoping to try to accomplish it, but it's always kind of been a hybrid between dilute and okay. It's okay. kind of like, you know, the, the melodic aspect of okay.
2: Yeah.
1: The simplistic and repetitious aspect of okay, but the, um, the kind of symbolic, um, like saying something with the song structure. Mm-hmm. Is, um, like dilute used to do yeah like it's like a language with the song structure and and just like pushing yourself to do pretty much as technical you know a feat as you can pull off yeah but the okay has kind of like has wiped all that away and just chose simplicity
0: yeah yeah that's that's pretty much how i felt between the two bands it will be interesting and, to. And, but the so. only
1: reason i'm i've never been able to do you know, like the complex with the simplicity is because the complex takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. to pull off live. And I just don't have people around who can put in that much time.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm. But if I just, I'm just planning on kind of doing it myself for the first time, just kind of really, you know, trying to do it, you know, basically. But for all I know, I might throw that out the window and just put out another, like even more simplistic record. I don't know.
0: That's cool. Well, Everyone's definitely looking forward to that. Um, do you have anything that you're currently listening to that you're into that that might might be inspiring in any way? <laughs> um,
2: let's see.
1: I mean, there's always like standards. Like, uh, I really, really uh, like Moon Dog. If you've ever heard of him,
0: no, who's that? He, he was
1: this. He was a street performer in New York in like the um, 50s,
0: uh-huh. and he wow. and
1: he was blind. Oh wow! And but but he was really into the whole um, playing different signatures on top of each other, like playing five four over three mm-hmm. four,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: linking those up, and the whole like symbology behind that. And I've always been instantly attracted to that. Like ever since I was very young, like playing on the piano, I, I was always like mixing time signatures on top of each
2: other. Mm-hmm.
1: There's, there's some sort of like innate power in that. I don't I don't quite understand it, but. Mm-hmm. um but he does that a lot and i it's just a very very real music yeah you know, it's like and he has like three or four you know records out that i mean they weren't records at the time i don't think but they've kind of compiled his all his stuff into three records now
0: mm-hmm. that's cool yeah none of people none of people make signatures anymore it's always four four and just a lot of generic stuff
1: yeah so i noticed that joanna Newsom started doing a little bit of it but i mean yeah, I, it was nice to hear at least in an interview. She she said she you know like well I'm not the first one to do this you know but yeah at least I mean at least she's not like claiming she invented it or something so that's yeah. been around forever
0: yeah I think that's the reason why Joanna Newsom's become so so popular at least around college radio is just she sounds a lot different just her melodies are just like unique you know yeah so. yeah
1: and she I mean she finally learned found her real voice
0: yeah it
1: it took a little while but you know i heard her original original demo because the girlfriend that i was with at the time was taking a poetry class with her Mm -hmm. and this was before you know she was
2: joanna newsome you know (laughs) this is
1: just joanna who my girlfriend went to poetry class and i hear about that and then one day she brought home a cd and she's oh my friend joanna has you know this cd and i listened to it and i and i told my girlfriend that tell joanna like you know, she has nothing to worry about you know once she, it's like i just i mean i didn't say anything condescending but basically mm-hmm. what i was thinking at the time was once she finds a real voice it'll mm-hmm. be like she's made it already you mm-hmm. know? i did could hear it from that first thing
0: how did you like uh east when it came out
1: i loved it yeah
0: do you think I, that's her like, do you think that's her finding her her niche
1: no i think yeah. her next record will be just as different
0: yeah yeah, I think, I, mean, I think
1: she, I mean, at least from what I've read about it, it was kind of like this, a pretty singular record,
0: mm-hmm, especially
1: mm-hmm. working with, um, what's the name? Vanek Parks.
2: Or, mm-hmm.
0: I, I forgot who. <laughs> I, but I, he,
1: I mean, he, the guy who did all the arrangements.
0: Yeah.
2: Stuff, he,
1: he really, uh, he really, you know, I mean, it's him, a lot of that record is him, you yeah. know, the feel of it and everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So and, I'm uh, sure if
1: she changes producers, it'll automatically be a lot
0: different. Yeah, for sure. And uh, speaking of records, uh, what would you think would be your favorite record that you've ever listened to?
2: Favorite record? Yeah.
1: Probably John Frusciante's uh, Neandra Lades.
0: Oh, I haven't heard that. I've heard practically every other Frusciante album, but I haven't heard that one. How is it?
1: That's the only one worth listening to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I got it all wrong then. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's Fushanty. That was his
1: first solo record. Really?
0: Yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't heard that one. That's cool. Yeah, Fushanty brilliant, it, brilliant song. I don't right. know.
1: It, it just hit me at the very you know. I mean, if I I'm sure if I got it for the first time now at 30 years old, it wouldn't hit me in at all the same way. It's kind of like, you know, he's, I don't know. He's a young guy himself writing that record, so I I think I just it hit me in high school, and I just it was so different and so real. And I think he wrote that when he was, like, in the throes of, like, major heroin. Yeah, you know, for he had, had some and just,
0: problems. <laughs> and, like, he was on
1: the edge of, like, you know, killing himself or whatever. And, it, I mean, you could hear it in the music, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: I, actually, I I met him once. I went to a, a show of his, and it was, it was, like, the only time in my life I felt, like, starstruck. Really? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he was, like, something else to me when I was a kid. Because he really, I mean, he just... I don't know, he caught me right on, like, when I was pivoting, you know, in my own self-discovery. Uh-huh. And, like, he became the soundtrack to it, so you can't help but, like, place all this importance on it.
0: Yeah. That's But,
1: uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'll probably just ask a couple more questions. Um, I know I... I've
1: I've kind of tangented off of a few. I don't even think I've answered three or four. Oh, no, I, I,
0: I, I love that. it. I love it. This is the when it's it's more natural this way. And I wanted to ask you, every picture I've seen of you, you've had an orange beanie on. Uh, is there some sort of attachment to that, or is that just coincidental,
1: or what? Uh, there's no meaning behind it, but I <laughs> do, I do cling to consistency. You
0: know? <laughs> well, yeah, and
1: and yeah, it's like I don't know. I mean, it's kind of silly. It, it started off as kind of a silly thing, like you know, like when Ginsburg was in Paris and, and he was going to perform, uh, how you know recite mm-hmm. how to his audience. Yeah, he was so nervous that he just was got naked. <laughs> Never cited it, and that helped him and it was a similar thing like when I had my first show um as okay with uh a little band and it was with Joanna Newsom at the Swedish American Music Hall in 2005 oh what a shame. and I and I was I was nervous you know like I mean we only had like a week to prepare like from scratch mm-hmm. and I was and I had just gotten out of the hospital and I was like you know nervous to do this and so I, I was basically in like a neon orange beanie, a bright pink, like flowing, like gown Indian type thing and (laughs) red pants that had like the lining, you know, like coming out the bottom that was all frayed. And just, it was just like this big glowing red, orange, pink, like monstrosity basically. But it kind of helped me, I don't know. It helped me feel like, you know, like I already felt ridiculous and Mm -hmm. over to overkill it. Um, You know, just felt natural, and it helped me kind of relax actually. And then I kind of kept the orange beanie thing. Just well, number one, I kind of that was my style of what I wore. I always wore a beanie. It seemed like, Um, Mm -hmm. but the neon and everything—it was just kind of like. Like a tongue in cheek thing, like, "Oh, I'm the front man. I'm out in front. Look at me!" And just, <laughs> I'm, you might as well put on the big red hat to make sure everyone knows who's out front.
0: Can we anticipate uh, a pink and red outfit? And when you're with Deerhoof, maybe, hoof? maybe. I'm, I mean, look, I'm re- looking forward to that. Though. Recently,
1: I just, you know, the orange beanie. I don't think makes that many appearances. I mean, it it will if I if it's near me when I'm on my way out the door or something. <laughs> but I really don't think about it. It's more just whatever I'm wearing that day and. But, I mean, the, the the gigs, you know, recently have gotten so casual. It's just like me and a guitar showing up, you know, mm-hmm. and that's it. So I kind of just, you know, we're all actors. We're all playing a part of some sort.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, do you have anything else to say to your adoring fans before I let you know?
1: <laughs> Well, I just...
2: W- w-
1: I I don't know. I usually I wouldn't, but but last night actually for the first time I never read my reviews. But a friend of mine was telling me some of the stuff he was hearing in reviews,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so I went through for about an hour and read a bunch of reviews and just, I mean, it's fine that the the media focuses on my on my health so
2: much. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's the it's the special thing about me, I guess. But yeah, I just really wouldn't let that color, you know the music so much yeah if you know that and if that's gonna you know be in your mind while you're listening to it yeah it's not about that
0: yeah i don't write
1: write songs about being ill i write songs about being human
0: yeah that's like i try to make a point of that i did actually did a review for our newspaper and the entire time i'm like i'm listening to this music and i wanted to find out more about you because of the music it's not like oh i i heard about your health and i wanted to see like what kind of music can this guy make the music itself is is a really beautiful thing and i'm glad that a lot of people at least in this station have come to appreciate it i know there are a few really big fans of you over here so i just want to thank you a lot for spending the time to talk to me and to let this interview go on the air and everything because we really appreciate it because we don't know much about i read all these interviews and i, I just I see a lot of them just revolving around that and I've always wanted to know more about the person and his influences and things like that because the music by itself is really good. So yeah, I just wanted to thank you for coming on the air with me and Oh
1: and and also like the uh just you know one more thing is just
0: Oh, feel you know, free to go on.
1: the huggable dust uh record. I uh, you know I it, it's a little you know it was a little I mean, it's exactly what I expected, but, you know, like a high road, low road deal dealt with a little bit more of, you know, spiritual matters, a little bit heavier material
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, or at least heavier subject matter. And then I decided to put out a record of love songs, mm-hmm. And of course, you know, quite a bit of the reviews are like kind of saying, you know, what happened to the depth or whatever, <laughs> you know, and uh, I just wanted to say like, you know. The next recruits that are coming out, I mean, just hang in there, you know, if you're a fan and see, like, (laughs) if you feel disappointed that I just put out, like, a shallow record or something,
0: Mm -hmm. it's
1: going to, you know, it's going to heavily go the other way if you stick in there, so.
0: All right, cool. Well, we're all looking forward to that. I'll probably have a couple more words with you after I stop recording this interview, which is is a recording, believe it or not, everyone. This isn't live. (laughs) I know I must have thrown you through a... A loop. Anyways, uh, so that's Marty Anderson from OK. This is Chapon Debnot. This is How Goes KUCI Irvine. Thanks for listening. And now more OK. I don't know what song. What song am I gonna, am I going to play next, Marty?
1: Um, you are going to play
0: "Loveless." All right, that's the song I'm going to play. All right, there you go. I don't know. I'm just thinking this off the fly. It's pretty intense. All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot to Marty and. This is KUCI Irvine.